Let's go to the uh, Dude Maker Hotline, and Magdalene Rose, our political affairs correspondent, is on the hotline. She was live tweeting this uh, exchange of inanities last night, so she may have an inside track or an opinion on who won. Uh, Magdalene, who won? Well, I think that Ramaswamy probably is the one who gains the most airtime. And in our Crusade Channel poll asking our uh, followers on Twitter who won, he came out ahead and then DeSantis. But what was very clear was that the loser was Nikki Haley. People agreed. She had a terrible night. She did not know what she was doing. Crusade Channel listeners didn't understand much of what she was saying in terms of how it related to being in the modern era. So I think Ramaswamy probably won in media coverage. DeSantis had the least amount of hits on him. But everyone agrees that Nikki Haley lost. So she was not able to answer. He asked a question. Maggie, do we have the question that he asked about that she couldn't name the three provinces in uh, Ukraine? Do you, have, do, you, do you have that one? Here, folks, you need to hear. Here's what Magdalene is talking about. Wow, she had a, a, a terrible night because Vivek comes out there. Now, we were talking about this, Magdalene. I'm going like, okay, he must have had intel. He had to had intel that told him you can ask that question. Believe me, she's an airhead. She does. She won't know the answer to it, because he went ahead and asked a question. Here, here's what he here's, here's what he said. I want to say one thing about the tie to Ukraine, if I may. So, foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a couple of answers right there. Now, this was a big risk, because if she did know the name, then she comes on and goes, mm-hmm. bah, 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 bah. but apparently he was right. She didn't know the names. No, she didn't. And that makes me wonder how Ramaswamy has been able to build such a great intel operation so quickly, because he's not somebody who's deep in the Republican Party. Chris Christie is right. He is a newbie to the Republican Party. And yet he's been able to build that intel operation. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Because Trump isn't on the stage, there are a lot of Trump fans in the GOP and Trump supporters who are looking for a voice, and they've picked Ramaswamy as their voice on the debate stage. The frustration I have is he's not, like, better than them, though. This is still a man with massive ties to China in the production of pharmaceuticals. He has his own questions to answer to about how beholden he is to President Xi Jinping. So. While I understand that he looks like the outsider, I don't understand why Nikki Haley is standing there and not saying, what about your plants in China with pharmaceuticals? What about all of your ties to to foreign money? It, It really is odd to me that people are letting him get away with this. And I hope they don't think, well, we don't want to, you know, attack him because we don't want to lose his voters. His voters are Trump people. They're not Ramaswamy people. He's not a phenomenon. I think everybody knows that. So why he's being allowed to do this by the establishment, I don't really understand. 
unless they just don't think it's worth attacking him at this point. Well, I wonder if he's getting some of this intel from uh, from uh, from Trump people then, because yeah. obviously the intel was solid. Because mm-hmm. she, she did not know, and she had no answer to that. She didn't, and DeSantis didn't jump in either, which is what was so strange, because DeSantis, I would imagine, would know those provinces, and he didn't really jump in either. So you, you saw a strange division of people who should be great debaters, should be able to attack Ramaswamy and, and drag him down on policy and on his statements. They're not doing it, aside from Chris Christie. And I don't think that that is a smart move. You know, we have had this idea in the Republican Party of dismissing people and it'll go away. You remember how Ted Cruz sort of laughed off Donald Trump early in the primary yep. and didn't take him seriously. And then he was a nominee and then president and Ted Cruz was not. So we, we've seen that before. And it's odd to me, seeing as there are real legitimate concerns about Ramaswamy's ties to China, they never get discussed. And, and yet Nikki, everything with Nikki Haley does. Well, uh, and it may also be that uh, Trump may have made, you know, he is the author of The Art of the Deal. There may be a deal that you just don't know about. I don't know about it. Uh, only Vivek and his hairdresser know about it. It's already been made that, oh, Trump, you don't need to go. Don't worry. I'll take the Trump talking points. Give me the intel on Nikki Haley because you're right. How does he get that kind of intel? And by, and by the way, just for the, for the for argument's sake, uh, the, the provinces in eastern Ukraine are Crimea, they are Luhansk, they are Donetsk, and they are Zaporizhia. So there's four right there. So I could have given you four last night, and I'm just a stupid radio host. <laughs> this stuff is not hard. If, 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 you, if you go to a map, especially an older map of Ukraine, it's divided into provinces. It is, it's just clear, it's as clear as it could be. If you look at a modern one where they're trying to sell you a war, they may not d- d- divvy it up into the provinces, but uh, they would uh, uh, they, they would just give you that you know just the blob that is Ukraine. I told uh, I told uh, Maggie, the pro, uh, producer of the show, I said. Nikki Haley was probably sitting there going, okay, I know Crimea because everyone knows that. And I'm not that stupid. And I do know Mariupol, but I don't like know if Mariupol's a province. No, Mariupol's a city. So I, I, I put myself in her, in her position and I'm going like, she's not going to answer because the only two, she knows two. She knows Mariupol, which is not a province, and she knows Crimea. And so she didn't answer the question. I wonder, and you pointed out, did DeSantis know? Because <laughs> if I'd have been Ron DeSantis, I'd go, uh, I can answer that question, uh, Vivek. That's not even hard. I'll give you five, because there actually are five. I'll give you five provinces, and, and he, each one is individual. But, but then again, if you actually know the names of the provinces and you studied them, then you know the history, then you know that they are actually Russian in origin, and they're not Ukrainian. You know, Stalin annexed them to Russia, and they don't want to be part of Russia anymore. In any event, uh, whether or not Vivek wins. Is there another one of these coming that we don't know about? Because I didn't even know this one was coming up until Megyn Kelly started whining about it on Twitter yesterday and taunting Trump and trying to get him to, to attend. This is the last one of the year. There are going to be ones as we get closer to Iowa, I believe. But this is the last one of 2023. And what I thought was interesting about this debate was that you had people as moderators who do have a following but not necessarily in the base of the conservative world. Honestly, I can tell you, Megyn Kelly is very big on YouTube. 
She has a very big podcast following. Yep. She's shifted to covering arts and culture as well. She covers you know things in the UK. So she does have a following. So there was definitely an audience for this debate, especially because it's such a slim down stage. But what's strange is, again, there was not a theme to this debate. Mm. Previously, we've had in Republican Party history, you had deba- debates with clear themes. It seems like every time these people get on stage, there was just an onslaught of different topics. And we're not seeing that this curating of the Republican Party as the party of economics, the party of, of anti-endless immigration. And that comes down to the RNC not having this, this ability to curate what it is. And I've seen Rhonda McDaniel interviews, chairman of the RNC, where she says now that the RNC is not a marketing arm. The RNC does not create marketing campaigns. So if the RNC doesn't do that, what, what does it do? What do they do? What do they, nobody seems to know. And I talk to young conservatives who work there who volunteer, and I say to them, the RNC is a marketing arm. And they go, yeah, of course it is, but not anymore because she has no idea what she's doing. So that's why these debates look scattered and sort of endless because they're not being marketed. They're just being put on. Well, I'm going to tell you something that's even worse than uh, than the debates that shows just the absolute debacle that is the RNC, uh, the GOP, and uh, the House GOP. And that is this, uh, the United States, if you go out there and if, uh, polling, and I'm not a big poll guy, but I do read them because they do show trends. The polling shows what is the most important issue and item on the American people's mind right now. If I asked you that, what, 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 what would you what would you say? What's the most? What, what Probably are, inflation. What's that? Probably inflation. Okay. Economic issues. That's right. That's right. Economics. Economics. Uh, Bill Clinton was right. Uh, James and James Carville. It's economy, stupid. It's all about the economy. It's about the economy, stupid. Carville was right. Right now in Tuesday in 2023, it is all about the economy. It's about it's about the shuns, immigration and inflation. These are the things that people are, are going to be talking about and are talking about and are worried about. There are people out there that are making videos or women out there that are crying on those videos. There are families out there that are they're talking to anyone that will listen to them, telling them that how did this, how did this happen? Everything that should be up is down and everything that should be down is up. There is a malaise out there and it is directly related to what the Democrat Party has done in all the major cities in the U.S. and what the Biden regime has done in a mere three, it's not even three years, coming up on three years now, in a mere 33 months, 34, in 34 months, uh, the Biden regime has managed to run up a $7 trillion uh, unpayable uh, uh, deficit or a new debt, $7 trillion, uh, has managed to take, uh, people forget, in February of 2020, February of 2020, right before the State of the Union, Daytona 500, unemployment is low it has been since the 1990s. For the first time, there are more people entering the workforce than there, than there, there than were either saying they weren't in it or relieving it. That is another 1990s statistic. Inflation, there hardly is any inflation. Gas is $1.75 a gallon. A barrel of oil is for, is $42, $45 $45 a gallon. Um, people are, are able to leave houses and move into new houses and sell uh, houses so that they can move up if they need a larger one, et cetera, et cetera. That's the scenario that the corona doom uh, actually d- just destroys. 
People aren't going to forget that, and they haven't forgotten that. But the stupid party, Magdalene, I mean, they become more stupid by the day. Mm -hmm. The stupid party is using its majority in the House of Representatives to pass resolutions and spending the committee time to pass resolutions on anti-Semitism in the Ivy League. As if I care. Your average person out there that doesn't have a job or hasn't gotten a pay increase in three years and can't afford a, or is looking at a dozen of eggs and going like, well, maybe I'll just buy the powdered stuff, doesn't care about that. They don't care about any of these stupid things. But there's the stupid party. The Biden regime has laid an economic disaster at the door of any party that wants to go like, we can fix that. Here's, here's Newt Gingrich's, here's my con, new contract with America, with President Trump as our standard bearer, or President DeSantis as our standard bearer. This is easy, low-hanging fruit. But I don't even, I don't see anyone, do you? No, and they had time to expel George Santos. Yeah, yes, and they have time to clean their ranks. And yet, Menendez, who we all know is at minimum just an agent of, of Egypt. Yes. It's still in the Senate. Sure is. So I think that there's a frustration there. And I spoke to somebody who works in Capitol Hill a little while ago about the George Santos thing, because it's ridiculous to me. I think he was fabulous in, in his uh, attacks on the media. I think that he was somebody who was helpful in deflecting media attention. I said to them, what is this position Republicans have lately of getting rid of everyone with a slight controversy? And they said, well, they just don't want to deal with the drama. So they'll just get rid of people. They'll just censor people. They'll just have a resolution condemning them. And I said, so, so that is the position now. And that's what they're focusing on. They said, yes, there's no focus on legislation. There is no focus on trying to even create legislation to run on, not even getting it passed. We're past believing they can get things passed. But coming up with anything for Republican candidates, whoever the GOP is nominee, to run on. They just want to continue to clean house. To me, it seems like they want to continuously stop someone from becoming the next Donald Trump. And that, to me, is a little bit twisted. I wonder if part of that is coming from the MAGA wing under Trump's instructions to keep the, the past clear. Mm -hmm. And some of it is coming from the establishment. I think we could have a, a situation where the establishment and the MAGA establishment are working together much to the detriment of the Republican Party. This is interesting that you think, okay, so there's someone so that Trump could be sending instructions. I don't want another Trump rising in the ranks that on any competition mm -hmm. for me. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I hadn't thought of that angle. Do you have any intel on that, or you're just that's, that's just a thought? No, that, that, that's, what, that's what the feeling amongst interns on Capitol Hill is. For interns who are interning for Republicans with real principles, Midwest, Southern Republicans, they are saying there is a feeling and there is a push to keep the current players as the current players. That's the word that goes out. Don't elevate anybody. If you are already somebody with high name brand recognition, that's fine. But we're not going to allow a new person to be built within Congress. Okay. And that, to me, is so dangerous because we are having the Amaga establishment and regular establishment unite to make sure we don't have a new political superstar. Where is Matt Gates? Where did he go? Well, what? I know. Where is Matt Where Gates? Where did he go? I asked about that. Well, I asked about that. I said, where is Matt Gates? And they said, well, Matt Gates was very helpful to Trump in, in a lot of ways in the panhandle, and, and Trump never really liked McCarthy. 
But now it's clear that Matt Gates was perhaps not prepared for the sneaker race battle. He did not have someone ready. He couldn't get Jim Jordan over the threshold. And so there's disappointment around him in the MAGA world. So he is not being promoted the way he used to be. Where is Matt Gates? I think Matt Gates is currently trying to stay under the radar as best he can. Okay. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, he quits because why? Why? Why does Kevin McCarthy say he's not going to finish his term? He's going to quit? I think Kevin McCarthy is frustrated, and Kevin McCarthy is somebody who thinks of himself as being very much in the highest esteem of people. He's always thought of himself as being somebody sort of higher up than everybody else. I agree. To cope with the fall from grace. Mm. I imagine it's like psychological torture every day. So this is, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, what what is he going to do? He's not the main fundraising arm of the GOP. Say what you like about him. The man could raise money. He's not in the position to do that anymore. He's not a dealmaker or a kingmaker. To go from being a kingmaker to not is a dramatic fall, even more than being, you know, the king to not. So I don't think Kevin McCarthy wants to stand there, much like how, you know, remember that book he did about the, the future with, I think, Eric Cantor and Paul Ryan? He doesn't want to be in that group anymore. Uh, I can't stand it. I blame him there with that group. Uh, Magdalene Rose, our political affairs correspondent on the Dude Maker Hotline with us. Uh, Maggie, can you queue up digital media file number 12? Okay, uh, just staying on the subject of the stupid party here. You know, Magdalene, one of the things that I have been playing uh, all week long, I've been playing Ronald Reagan addresses to the nation from the Oval Office, uh, the first one from February of 1981, the second one from October of 1982. And I was just demonstrating, I'm like, okay, if you want to see or if you want to know how it's done in this current economic situation, this is what it would sound like. It doesn't have to be hyperbolic. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't. It doesn't even have to demonize the other party. You can. You can be almost neutral. It could just be like, look, the the, the hobgoblin is inflation. The hobgoblin is 16% interest rates. The hobgoblin, the monster, is 9% unemployment. These are the things we all agree we need to address, and here is our plan. And so in February of 1981, he lays the plan out. October of 1982, before the midterms, he says, here's an update on the plan. We're getting there. We're not there yet. Uh, why the stupid party? You know, they get a, they, they love to fancy themselves that they're all fans of the Gipper of Ronald Reagan, and that uh, some of them even say we need to get back and get back to, to to Reaganomics and what have you. Here, there's not a one of them that I've heard, not one, not one that even knows what that is. So I've been playing this, the, the, the file to kind of catch people up and say, well, this is how simple President Reagan made it sound. Now listen to this. Yesterday from Marjorie Taylor Greene. The NDAA is complete. I had been assigned to be a conferee on the conference. Here, we're going to follow me. We're getting an elevator. And we didn't get to participate at all. As a matter of fact, the whole NDAA deal was made between Speaker Johnson, Chuck Schumer, and the Hass Committee. Um, and, and people like me, we didn't get to participate. We were appointed to participate to make sure no money for abortion, no money for trans, uh, for members like me standing up for Americans who are sick and tired of funding the Ukraine war. We, we had taken the 300 million out of the defense bill. Well, let me tell you what the final product is and the deal that was made. So uh, there, the policy is in place. 
that funding is there for abortion travel. The policy is still in place for trans and the military and everything that goes with it. Democrat trans policy, Democrat abortion policy, um, 300 million for Ukraine is back in the NDA, even though I had worked hard to take it out, it's back in. Um, and furthermore, uh, here's the worst news. Uh, it gets a clean FISA extension through April. No change to the FISA court whatsoever. Nothing changed, and that deal was made um, also. So just wanted to give you a heads up. I'll be flat out no to this NDAA, and I think it's outrageous that this happened with our Republican-controlled Congress. Well, so there you go. It's happened with a Republican control of Congress. Uh, there's no accountability. I was on the committee. They didn't even ask me. I didn't go to a single meeting. Uh, again, this is how the stupid party is operating. Seems to me that Mike Johnson must have been sitting there as a mole the whole time. Because for mm -hmm. Johnson to all of a sudden be best with BFS with, with Schmuckle Schumer and to be able to get this done. You know, I was thinking the whole time I'm listening to Tommy Tuberville say, well, you know, I, I'm just going to drop my opposition except for these bop, 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 bop. And pray that, you know, somebody, cooler heads prevail and that the U.S. military doesn't get into the business of, of, of funding the murder of its own citizens or future citizens here. Um, I was thinking in the back of my mind, well, they do have to take these bills, one from the Senate, one from the House, and go to what's called conference. They have to reconcile them. So there's always a reconciliation committee, and you can then kill things in a reconciliation committee. Apparently, if, if I'm to believe Marjorie Taylor Greene, they just bypass reconciliation and just going right to passage. Yeah. And the reason that they're doing that is because nobody is watching. And you mentioned, you know, where are these people? Where is Mitch McConnell? He's supposed to be our Senate leader. Mm -hmm. Why is he not out there talking anything? Because he, he's not capable anymore. And everybody knows that. And we're all pretending it isn't true. And I don't understand why. Kentucky is a safe Republican seat. We have a bench of people in the Senate who could take over for him. We are at such a bad position because we have Rona McDaniel, who is chairman of the RNC and is an incompetent fool. And then we have Mitch McConnell, who is not capable of doing his duties anymore. He is a man who cannot fulfill his obligations, And we are not replacing him to the detriment of our legislative agenda. So Mike Johnson is walking around doing what he can and, and, and sort of, I don't think, has enough direction. Because in the Senate, who was our leadership in the Senate? We should have replaced Mitch McConnell when he was having his first issues and it looked like he was blanking out in press conferences. We should have done it because it was the right thing to do. And also, it would have drawn a contrast between the people in the Democrat Party who are hiding the fact that Biden has some type of, I think, either, either a senile or some type of mental health issue, and the rest of us who would replace someone if they got to that point. And DeSantis said last night that he thinks once you get to 80... It's not a good idea to be starting as president again. And I understand that there are lots of Americans who look at that and go, it doesn't make any sense. There's over 300 million people in this country. Why are we picking an 80-year-old on either side? So Mitch McConnell being incapacitated in a lot of ways is holding back the Republican Party and could cost us massively in 2024. Well, the, the only good news for uh, for the Republican Party is that the Democrat Party is in, is in as big a disarray as they are. <laughs> and it, it also has members that are going like, yeah, I'm not going to run for re-election. I think I'm just going to go ahead and drop out here. Uh, it's uh, the but but the 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 utter just the, the it's it's an epic failure on the part 
of leadership, as you point out, that you, when you're in a situation, uh, 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 an economic situation, as the United States, well, how is the rest of the world is in today? It's it. This is. It's not hard. It's not difficult to figure out a. Even if you want to call it populist, a populist way forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the clown that just won in Brazil for heaven's sake. People, people are going like we look. The elite ruling leadership. We all know they're criminals. We all know they're more crooked than they than they have ever been crooked before, and we all know that their remedies are, are are put in place there to specifically to continue benefiting them and them that they know. Uh, if everyone knows that this is the game and that this, that, that the game is rigged this way, well, then where is the guy outside of Trump who does do this? Where is the person or persons going to stand up and say, you know, we're going to unite as a party behind this, and yeah, we're going to have a reckoning and we're going to clean house and if you give us the chance we're going to come in and do this i just i i, I can't for the life of me understand this is a 1993 contract with america 1984 yeah. morning in america moment here for the uh, for the stupid party and the stupid party is doing the most stupid imbecilic destructive things it could possibly do it's maddening it is maddening, and it's frustrating because if you look at DeSantis, he has it in him, I think, to say we need a new contract with America. He's, he knows what that is. He's in Congress. He's somebody who studies history. He understands the principles of the, the Republican winning wins in the 90s. He knows how that works, and yet it's always this thing from his campaign strategy. And I think that's because there is an attachment to this idea in the DeSantis campaign. But he is somehow like JFK, that there's this Camelot feeling. She's like Jackie O. And it's not true. If anything, they are much more in the model of Nancy and Ronald Reagan. You know, she's not super warm and fuzzy. I know they want to market her as that, Casey, his wife. But she's a bulldog. So she and him are much more Nancy and Ron. And I think he needs to move away from this idea of restoring, you know, Republican morals and, and Camelot. Because Camelot was a lie. Camelot came from Jackie giving an interview to a magazine writer after JFK had been assassinated and her crafting this narrative. But JFK was not a great president in a lot of ways. So Ron DeSantis has sort of pigeonholed himself in this. And until he breaks out of it and becomes much more Reagan-esque in that way, I don't think you're going to see anyone say anything like we need a new contract in America, because that's not in Trump's repertoire to bring up either. All right. In his interview with uh, with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Tucker Carlson, uh, no, with uh, no, it's a really good interview. It's only eighteen minutes long. You can watch it on uh, Twitter. Uh, Tucker had Thomas Massey on, sassy with Massey, and uh, Tucker was asking Massey. He goes, "Okay, tell me straight up. Do you think the sixty billion dollar aid for Ukraine?" Is going with all that we know and all that the, that the country now knows about what's gone wrong and that the whole thing is a debacle and it's lost. The Ukrainians are going to lose. Did you see Putin yesterday? Putin slapping high fives with the yeah. with the sheik of Saudi Arabia. He doesn't look like he's very worried about Biden. Um, so Tucker asked Mar Mar uh, uh, Thomas Massey yesterday, do you think that this bill is going to pass? And Thomas Massey kind of bit his, his, his lip. 
thought about it for a second again. He shook his head and, and no. Then he goes, man, I wish I could tell you I don't think it is, but I can't do it. It's probably going to pass before the end of the year. And 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 Tucker goes uh, says something to the effect, "Do you think this is the end of empire?" He's asking a congressman, a pretty popular one. Do yeah. you think this is the end of empire? And Massey goes yeah. like, it sure has all of the indications, doesn't it? But I don't want to predict <laughs> that because I just, um, uh, it, it, is a, it is a horrid, horrid federal state of affairs. You know, yeah. People want to know, okay, well, what can we do about it? We need to fix this. I don't think there is a reparation that is available. For the federal no. state of affairs, folks. I just don't, which is why you don't hear me no. spending any time on it, because I spent years working for a balanced budget amendment. Um, mm-hmm. And I helped many people get it passed in their legislatures. And we had 28 some odd states passed, signed off on the on, on the on the on the BBA. Um, uh, I just I don't see it. And I want to say that Trump can stop the bleeding. And I think that he can. But I don't know that any force on Earth can stop this. And, you know, in, 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 we talk about the, the Republicans as being the stupid party. It's almost like it's, it's a, okay, well, these are all my little hand-picked things that I benefit from. It's almost so is a, it's an every man for himself. I said this to you two weeks ago, and I'm gonna, or, or three weeks ago before Thanksgiving, I'm going to say it again. If I was a Republican, I would want Nancy Pelosi as my leader. Oh, yeah. That bitch gets things yeah. done. Yeah, she does. And I think a lot of the, what you're saying is it's is toward the end of the empire. That is the feeling amongst a lot of young Christians and conservatives. Is it really? We're staring down, yes, it is. We're staring down the barrel of a very bad situation. And it's very frustrating because the markers for this were six years ago when we really were beginning to lose even more young people. Independence were breaking off. We had a really good idea that we were in trouble. And if you speak to young conservatives who've been in the politics for a while, so who've been in, in, in it like I have, or who pay attention, have been paying attention for years, they will say, so even if Trump gets elected, what do we do after that? Even That's a good question. Four years. Yes. And a lot, of, a lot of people say, well, the Republican Party has no plan. I mean, what happens if he wins and it's all fine, it's a clear win and there's no contesting, and he's in it for four years? He cannot stay in. He is not a king. I know that, that there are a lot of people who say, well, we should just get rid of term limits. That's not going to happen. And then they say, let's make Don Jr. king. And that's not going to happen. Let's make Don Jr. president. That's not going to happen. So there is an idea that we are in doomsday and Republicans don't care. And I wonder if the current structure of America will maintain in the next 20 years because America is so big. In some ways, it's so ungovernable. And I don't see what is keeping the states together when the divisions in this country have, have driven us to such economic ruin and political ruin and safety and security risk. Well, you see there, uh, the uh, youth voice, the youth vote has spoken. Uh, if they lose the youths, then it's over. Mm-hmm. When you, you lose the youth, because that's the future, the youth go like, I don't see any point in continuing this. Now, you have to be very careful here. Revolutions almost always turn out to be really nasty businesses, and the good guys usually don't win. As a matter of fact, the good guys hardly ever win. 
and revolution. So you have to be very, very careful and tread lightly here when you start talking about revolution. But uh, I think that they, this is revolutionary times. I've been saying it for a while. Um, and I think that the successes, the small successes that we see in the states, I think Ron DeSantis should take his ball and go home. He could become president of the southeastern region. He can cover all of Florida, <laughs> Georgia, and South Carolina. North Carolina won't go along with it, but I think South Carolina will. Or maybe they all stay independent. Uh, and I, yeah. it's a really good question. You should do a show on this. Get some young people together and ask them, okay, let's just pretend Trump wins, uncontested. What next? Mm-hmm. What next? And there's not an answer. There's not an answer. And I've said to people, you know, how is there not an answer? There are people who work in the RNC, who work for candidates. And they say, well, who, why would there be an answer when there's nobody there who even cares about it? Why would there be a focus on it? Wow. And that's true. If there's no focus at the RNC and there's no focus on the state level and there's no recruitment and our young conservative world is run by grifters, why would we have a future lined up? The Democrats at least are asking the question. That's why they push out Gavin Newsom. We're not even asking the question at this point. Well, you make it that, that this is a very valid point. The young conservative movement is not run by door knockers and people that are candidates um, uh, and, and are, you know, kind of working their way up through. The young conservative movement is being run by media personalities who have one agenda and one agenda only to get rich quick. Yep, absolutely. That's, I mean, and if you're, if you're hitching your wagon to that, Magdalene, well, then yeah. you might get something quick, too. But it ain't going to last very long, and you're not going to like the hangover. No. And if you and if people realize, so Turning Point USA, the big conservative wing, I mean, they have like $15 million a year. And what do they spend it on? They put on some conferences. Can you imagine if you had $15 million a year to do activism? It would be papered across the country. And yet we have a few conferences, and he has a podcast and all of this. So where is the rest of the money going to? It's going to maintain the entire network of NDAs and influencers and everything that Charlie Kirk has built to the detriment of the Republican Party. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. She's Magdalene Rose. You're going to hear the Rose Reports and uh, the political affairs correspondent work every day on the Crusade Channel News. You can follow Magdalene on all of the usual social media and uh, just search for her Magdalene Rose. Of course, you can find her bio on all those links at crusadechannel.com. All right. Thanks very much for the um, uh, for the commentary. Uh, thanks for live tweeting last night. And uh, we shall see you next week. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome.